0: It's June 1820, and King George IV of Britain is stressed. He had only just ascended to the throne earlier that year, but the nation was teetering on the edge of revolution, and already George's kingship was in crisis. The year before, the infamous Peterloo Massacre had seen citizens in Manchester, slaughtered by the British Army, for the crime of peacefully demonstrating for political rights. In February, a plot to assassinate the Prime Minister and his entire cabinet had only just been foiled. The fifth anniversary of Regency Britain's finest hour, victory at the Battle of Waterloo, was only days away. But who could have imagined then when the Duke of Wellington defeated Napoleon that Britain would be on the verge of collapse so soon after. George was in a foul mood, but it was worsened by news that reached him from the south coast. Was an enemy force about to invade his realm? Had Napoleon himself miraculously raised another army and made his second comeback? Oh no, it was far worse than that. George's wife, Caroline, had arrived in Britain demanding that she be crowned Queen. Hello and welcome back to the Ministry of History podcast, a podcast that aims to take a look some of history's lesser known characters and stories. Today, we're continuing our focus on historical scandal and heading back to early 19th century Britain. A new king, George IV, was on the throne and his wife, Caroline, wanted to join him as queen. So what's the problem? The problem was that George hated his wife and didn't want her anywhere near his court. To be fair, she wasn't all that fond of him either. We'll see how a loveless marriage caused one of the scandals of the century as the king himself tried to get divorced and the public turned against him. We've got all that coming up. But first, I just need to ask you again to leave a review. If you have a spare moment, please leave a review for this podcast. It really would help it to grow. Unless, for some reason, you want to leave a bad review, in which case, ignore what I just said, as you were. You'll have to forgive me for again pointing you to my donation page on the Buy Me A Coffee website. As I've said before, I know I'm not going to be one of these people who becomes fabulously wealthy by doing a podcast or indeed by doing the blog. But the equipment and the overheads do cost money. And like anyone else, I need to pay for those costs and make this project sustainable in the long term. Follow the Buy Me A Coffee link in the description of this podcast and donate whatever you feel like. Any donation you could make really would be hugely appreciated. Finally, just the usual pointers to check out the blog, the Ministry of History on Google, and it's one of the top results. In fact, it might even be the top result these days. And then there's my Twitter account, at ministryhistory, all one word with no of in the middle. But now that's the boring stuff out of the way let's get back to the scandalous stuff. Let's set the scene for one of the most unromantic marriages in history. George was the eldest son of King George III and he was born on the 12th of August, 1762. He had a dysfunctional upbringing, but one that perhaps wasn't so uncommon for 18th century royalty. He did not get on at all with his father, but to be fair, George III was a difficult man to get on with, prone to bouts of insanity. Perhaps as an escape from his dysfunctional family life, The young George threw himself into enjoying the finer things in life, making friends with other young rabble-rousers around court and parliament, and becoming, in his own words, rather too fond of women and wine. Young George did have a romantic streak, and he secretly married a woman named Maria Fitzherbert in 1785. But this was a scandal in itself. There were all sorts of problems with Maria Fitzherbert. Firstly, she wasn't royal, so a marriage to her was far less politically valuable than a marriage to a European princess. Secondly, there was a law that forbade royal princes and princesses from marrying without the king's consent before they turned 25. Unfortunately for George, He was only 23 when he married Maria Fitzherbert. But thirdly, and most scandalous of all, Maria Fitzherbert was a Catholic. The legality of George's marriage to her was questionable, but the king certainly didn't recognise it. Young George was forced to drift apart from the only woman he ever loved, and he was bitter about it. Not that that bitterness stopped George from living his best life, or from finding numerous mistresses. He was notorious for his lavish spending, living well beyond his means, even as a prince. By 1794, he had racked up a serious amount of debt and he was forced to turn to Parliament, cap in hand, to ask for help. Parliament agreed to help their prince, but there was a catch. George was now 32 years old, unmarried, or at least not recognisably married, and childless. We'll pay your debts, Parliament said, but only if you get married and produce an heir. Reluctantly, George agreed. And so it comes time to introduce you to the second character in our scandalous story, Caroline of Brunswick. Caroline was six years younger than George born on the 17th of May, 1768, in Brunswick, which is now in central Germany. Now Caroline was actually George's cousin. Her mother, Augusta, was the eldest sister of King George III. Unfortunately, at this time, it wasn't uncommon at all for European royalty to keep things in the family and marry their cousins. Like George, Caroline had a pretty dysfunctional childhood. Her mother and father didn't like each other much at all and used her as a pawn in their childish games. It's not that Caroline wasn't loved, both of her parents doted on her, but they would become incredibly offended and snappy if they realised that she had been spending time with the other one Caroline grew into a fairly attractive woman, but she seems to have been lacking a little in the hygiene department. It's obviously possible that some of the comments about her could be down to the downright misogyny of her era, but the sheer volume of comments about her rarely washing, about her rarely changing her dirty clothes, or about her just smelling, do seem to hint that she left a little bit to be desired in that respect. Nevertheless, she was an eligible princess and turned down several marriage proposals before her marriage to Prince George was arranged. She set off to meet her intended at the end of March 1795 and she arrived in Greenwich, which is now in South East London, on Easter Sunday, the 5th of April, 1795. You've all heard of the phrase love at first sight. Well, the first meeting between George and Caroline was the complete opposite of that. After exchanging pleasantries with one another in the middle of the room, they both returned to their friends at either end of the room, and the verdicts were not good. Caroline complained that George was fat and looked nothing like his portrait. George, meanwhile, asked a friend to fetch him a glass of brandy and didn't stop drinking for three days until their wedding on Wednesday the 8th of April. He was so drunk on his wedding night that he passed out, but clearly not before he managed to perform one of his most important royal duties, because almost exactly nine months later, on the 7th of January, 1796, Caroline gave birth to their only child, a girl named Charlotte. George and Caroline barely saw each other ever again after that. He carried on as if he wasn't married at all, arranging for the care of his daughter and only allowing her limited contact with her mother. Caroline, for her part, went to live in Blackheath, near Greenwich, where she adopted several poor orphans. George even drew up a will where he left everything to his first wife, in inverted commas, Maria Fitzherbert, and barely mentioned his actual wife. In 1811, George became the de facto king or the prince regent when his father went into his final, permanent bout of insanity. Meanwhile, in 1814, Caroline left England to head to Italy where she ended up becoming the mistress of Napoleon's brother-in-law of all people. Not that George actually cared where his wife was, He had no shortage of mistresses himself. So, this wasn't really a marriage at all. This was two people who barely acknowledged each other's existence, who just happened to have taken some vows together once upon a time and had a daughter. But in 1820, King George III finally died and the younger George became king in his own right. When Caroline heard the news, she realised that that made her the rightful queen of Britain. Naturally, she headed back north to claim her throne, arriving back on British shores on the 5th of June, 1820. King George was furious He offered her an annual salary of £50,000, an astronomical sum in those days, if she would only stay the hell away. But she refused, instead settling in Hammersmith, which was then a small town on the River Thames, just to the west of London. If bribing his wife away from the country wasn't going to work, then George decided he would get a divorce. This would have been unthinkable for most commoners at this time, yet alone the king. But George was adamant and pressured the House of Lords into hauling Caroline before them and answering for her extramarital affairs. Of course, it wasn't lost on anyone how ironic that was. Sure, Caroline was known to have had affairs, but was George really in any position to accuse her? He was known to have had far more affairs than her and the public were stunned that he was trying to secure a divorce on those grounds. Caroline became a figure of public sympathy. George was already an unpopular king and his actions over this attempted divorce just made him even more so. People openly criticised and mocked him and cheered Caroline's carriage as she made her way to and from the House of Lords every day as they debated whether or not to grant the divorce. Caroline was defended artfully by her lawyers and in every corner of the realm people gossiped and discussed how shameful George's treatment of her was. It was a scandal that had the potential to dog his kingship, even destroy it. Not that George noticed. He was hell-bent on securing his divorce, whatever the cost, and he was furious when the Lords decided to quietly shelve the case. When George was officially crowned in July of 1821, a year and a half after he actually became king, he didn't invite his wife to the coronation. But Caroline still showed up, banging on the doors of Westminster Abbey, demanding to be let in, shouting, I am the Queen of England. She was cheered by common people all the way back home to Hammersmith, and she began to plan her own coronation. The scandal seemed like it wasn't going away. But then it did. Not because George showed any contrition, and not because people had lost interest in the case. It was simply because Caroline died. She took ill the day after her attempt to crash the coronation, and she died in Hammersmith three weeks later on the 7th of August, 1821. She was 53 years old. Her funeral procession was attended by many sympathetic Londoners before her body was taken back to her native Brunswick for burial. Fortunately for the king, that was the end of the scandal. In truth, it's difficult to imagine that the scandal actually would have dealt a mortal blow to his reign. People invested sympathy in Caroline more because of a general distaste for him than a genuine love for her, and it's more than likely that the public would eventually have grown weary of Caroline and her antics. But for at least a year, her marriage to the king was the only thing that anyone in Britain talked about. It may not be such a well-known story now, but it truly was one of the biggest scandals in 19th century Britain. And that was the story of King George IV of Britain and his wife, Queen, in inverted commas, Caroline. Join me again next week when I'll be discussing another historical scandal.